What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. You are listening to Guest Friday. You can uh, listen to the podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can follow our uh, social pages on uh, Twitter and on Facebook. I'm excited to uh, announce today that we have a returning guest on the podcast, uh, my good friend, Matt Flew. Matt did an episode with us a couple months ago talking about March Madness, but uh, he's back today and we're talking uh, NBA offseason, free agency, the draft, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so Matt, what's going on, man? How are you, Garrett? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of exciting topics to talk about tonight. Yes. Know, this time of year is a very, very intriguing time if you're a, a sports fan in general, but especially when it hits July 1st for NBA free agency. It's like a like a holiday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, they they did away with the uh, free agency starting at midnight. Uh, starting yep. at I think they started at 6, 6, six or 6.30. Yeah, it's 6 o'clock on June 1st. So that was nice. We didn't have to. July you know, 1st. Uh, yeah. So you have to stay up till till midnight to figure out uh, who's signing where. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to to get into this. Um, you know, I think we'll probably start out talking um, about the draft. Obviously, that happened uh, two weeks ago uh, tonight. Actually, at the time that we're two recording. weeks ago to the, to the day. Yeah. Um, so I think it makes sense for us to kind of start there. So um, I guess just to start, like. Overall, overall reactions to the draft. I, I wasn't overly surprised. You know, I, I like to follow the mock drafts, and mm-hmm. um, your your top three was going to be Bancaro, Holgram, and Smith. It just depended on whose need was most important to them and who valued who. And I think all along, you know, the Thunder made sense to get a big guy like Chet Holgram. They haven't had someone decent at the center position since Steven Adams. And that position is important to OKC. And you can tell just by how Chet Holgram's doing in um, summer league that they have made a correct choice. Uh, last night, for example, he last night or the night before, excuse me, he almost broke the record in summer league for blocks in a, in a single game. And he's averaged twice 23 points per game and in some games so far in summer league. And, you know, that's against weaker competition but I think you can see that why they went with him and you know when you had that number one pick as the magic you couldn't go wrong with either Bancaro or Smith but at the end of the day the most more exciting player I thought uh, was Bancaro there was a lot more upside and you know Bancaro showed out in a lot of games and played a lot of basketball that was important to Duke and Auburn, you know, is a great school. I don't want to downsize that. But, mm-hmm. you know, Jabari Smith going to Auburn, you know, they play in the SEC. But, you know, it was more showtime for Paulo Bancaro. And, you know, he was more the household name, I felt like, for the Magic. And I think the fit works um, for, for both teams. I think Jabari Smith landed in a great scenario in Steven Silas's system. And Bancaro going to Orlando fits that. You know, I think he'll fit well with Cole Anthony. And I think that was just a perfect piece for the Magic to fit what they've already had. I can't remember the statistic, but, like, they've had, like, a number one or a top three pick in, like, the last how many drafts. Mm -hmm. So I think it was just another um, 
you know, bullet to their to their ammo that they were adding. All three, I think, are going to serve a purpose for what those teams needed. I don't know how you feel, um, but I think all three are going to have great NBA careers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jabari Smith um, might have more of an immediate impact mm-hmm. to where a bank immediately shut. Orlando has, you know, Cole Anthony. They have other people on that team that can, you know, soften the blow, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, I would definitely agree that all three of them, I think, can make solid NBA players. You know, I think Bankero and Smith, I mean, like you said, I mean, I don't really think you could go wrong with either of those guys um, at number one. You know, I think Bankero's. Not at all. Bankero's offensive skill set might be a little bit more polish than Jabari Smith. I mean, Jabari Smith, from what I saw at Auburn, you know, really good defensive player, you know, has the skills to be a really good offensive player, but I think Bancaro kind of already has them. Um, And then Holmgren, you know, I think he might fit really well in today's NBA. You know, it's not as much of kind of like a, it's like the big man is, is changing in today's NBA, where it's like, you don't have to be someone that plays in the post all the time you know you can be someone that pops out and shoot threes and i think he's got the athleticism that he can be really good in the nba i mean i think as everyone will say he probably needs to gain a little bit of weight but i think as long as you have this offensive skill set and you're good defensively which he is i think you're going to be fine and if, if you remember you know from his time at gonzaga and you know, just in few few clips that you see in the summer league, he's a big man at seven feet tall, whatever you know size he is, seven yeah. feet, seven two, and he can also shoot, and he can shoot off of one leg. A lot of people are calling him like a Dirk Nowitzki type player. You know, he's got that size, but he can also can shoot off of one leg, and I think he is an all around player that OKC hasn't really had before since your Kevin Durant, your James Harden, mm. and like I said earlier, you know, that big man and like a Steven Adams. So mm. I think they, they're getting a piece of, you know, players they've had in the past in a Chent Holgram that they can build for the future, and I think that's exciting for them. You know, they're, they're another team that I think is is improving year by year. They're, far, they're, they're still far off. You know, they, they don't have that superstar yet, but I think they're, they're putting pieces together to build a nice team and in OKC, and you know, I'm excited for you know this draft class, especially. And um, I think one through five was kind of set in stone. Uh, you knew the five players that were going to go, and then after that sixth pick, it was kind of like you know, hold on, hold on. You know, we're we're going to have some some fun, and it's going to be a free for all because you know you didn't know what teams were going to go what way. Uh, so not even that you know talking about one to three, but you know the four and five. You couldn't go wrong either way there, I think. And I just saw, you know, a video tonight of the Detroit front office, you know, reacting to landing Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey, I thought, all through um, the last year could have been a number one pick. I saw him last November play at the Mohegan Sun when they were playing against uh, UNC at at, at a Basketball Hall of Fame tournament. And Mm -hmm. he was unbelievable. He almost had a triple-double in that game. And um, just the way he controls the floor as, as a basketball player. And he comes from a basketball family. His mom, I believe, is either the assistant coach or the coach of the women's Notre Dame team, which you yeah. know. I know you followed Notre Dame uh, in college. And he, he came from a basketball family. And, yeah. you know, when you see these players that come from a, a basketball line of family, 
it's it's exciting to see that because you know that you know they have it in their blood and yeah. he's a very exciting player but i think he fits perfectly alongside Cade cunningham and and what they're doing in detroit and i think he'll be well coached by Dwayne casey and then you know it's it's kind of funny seeing how Sacramento is falling in love so quickly with Keegan Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keegan Murray is, is is lights out right now in summer league, and I I don't use that to a big you know creditation there. Summer league is summer league, but you know you can see early on how they are adapting to the NBA, and I only use summer league as an example. Oh, it's this is what they've done so far. Mm-hmm. The the test is when the the actual NBA season starts. Right. I just want to put that on the table. Yeah. I keep using that as an example because that's all you have to filter out. Oh, are they going to be good or not? But mm-hmm. Keegan Murray so far is averaging like 26 and 9 in summer league. And mm-hmm. Sacramento, I like what they're doing, and they could be a good team. They're a few pieces away from landing a spot. They just landed Kevin Herter, which is a 518 shout out for me because mm-hmm. that's the area code I'm from, and I think he'll be a huge asset for them. So that one through five, I think everyone drafted in the need and want that they, you know, really were looking for. And like Jay Villa says, you go either best available or what you desperately need or want at that position or positions, plural. Like you like you had teams like the Spurs, you had teams like OKC with three first round picks. So Mm -hmm. if you lose out on one, if you lose out on a center, per se, you might fall back on another center later in the first round it's it's kind of fun as a gm i would say when you have a few first round picks yeah yeah and i think just to kind of continue on your point like i think if you look at the top three or even the top five like i think all those guys are going to um teams that they they can get immediate playing time you know they're not sitting on the bench or anything you know they're going to be thrown right into the fold um i think that especially with someone like holmgren you know with Oklahoma City, they're a team that, you know, they have Gilgis Alexander, but that's pretty much it. And so it's like, he can have... And that's someone can, you're going to build around. Yeah, he can get lots of minutes, you know, he can build chemistry with a guy like that. Um, yeah, and I... And I think dra- drafting someone like Chet Holgram, it's got to be in the back of the coach's mind for the Thunder that he's more than likely probably going to start game mm-hmm. one of your... Your, your, your season, I would imagine. When you draft someone seven feet tall and, you know, the skill sets like he has to be mm-hmm. an all-around player, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's getting that start at the, at the center position or power mm-hmm. forward position. I imagine center position. But um, yeah. I think one through five, they landed in the right scenario, I think. You know, you look the, the first pick through the fifth pick, you couldn't go wrong either way as a GM of any of these teams. And it's exciting. I mean, you know, if you're a Rocket fan or a Kings fan, you're, you're kind of having a few people, you know, on the list of, okay, if I lose out on this person, this is my backup plan, you know, of course. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're the Pistons and the Kings draft Jaden Ivey, well, obviously you're going Keegan Murray, vice mm-hmm. versa. You know, it's, it, it's just it's one of those things. Yeah. As, as a draft work, you know, the workouts progress. And, and you look into these players and you learn more about them, you learn who, who you want to draft. And, you know, going on to number six, the Pacers pick, you know, Benedict Matherin from Arizona. I I didn't really know that name until March Madness. I'm going to be honest mm. with you. You know, you knew, I knew he played for Arizona. I knew yeah. he was, you know, a, 
a player that was probably going to come out of the draft early or uh, out of the college early and want to get drafted, but he showed out in what he could do, especially versus TCU in that game in March Madness. And that's why I'm not surprised that he got picked by the Indiana Pacers. I like to see what he does in summer league and, you know, your preseason and, and in your regular season for the Pacers. But, you know, that's, that's a team where he doesn't need to immediately make an impact. He can learn the, learn the league and learn the system and show more of what he showed in March Madness. Mm-hmm. You know, he played under Tommy, Tommy Lloyd that came over from Gonzaga that really built a program at Arizona quickly, and he fell in love with that program and mm-hmm. showed in March Madness that he mm-hmm. was a good fit. Yeah. Um, I was kind of looking further in the rest of the first round and kind of looking at some guys that I think could be you know, solid players, you know, um, Oshai Abazi from Kansas, who won most of the ca- uh, Cavaliers. Yeah, I thought that was a great pick by Cleveland because I think he's a guy who can shoot. I think I really like his offense. He was the team. last pick of the lottery, uh, to make mention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also thinking, I really liked the Walker Kessler pick by Memphis. Obviously, he got that poor man's been bammed on to three different teams in the last three right. weeks. Right, so got flipped to Minnesota, and then obviously got flipped to, to Utah in the uh, Gobert trade, which we'll talk about later. But um, yeah. I really like his game. I think he can be a really good pro. Um, and I also like Wendell Moore Jr. out of Duke. He went 26 to Dallas. Um, he's got a good offensive game. I like his compete level. Um, I think he's and a guy. I have, I have a, a late pick that I'm excited about. Yeah. And I think it would be a steal of the first round. And I also have one that's surprising yeah. that I'm intrigued about. So I want to start off with the one I'm most intrigued about. Yeah. I am very intrigued with Patrick Baldwin Jr., the, the pick that the Warriors had at 28. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's someone that picked Milwaukee over Duke. Uh, his dad uh, background information is his dad's the university or was the University of Milwaukee's uh, head coach for um, college basketball until he either left or got fired um, mm-hmm. this year. And um, Patrick Baldwin Jr. went to Milwaukee to be kind of low. He picked playing right alongside Bancaro. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think, a, 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 a flyer. The Warriors, the defending champions, had nothing to lose. You know, he's supposed to be, you know, this big all-time player and, and, and you know, when he went to Milwaukee everyone was saying you know watch out he's going to be the best you know player in, in college basketball so I'm intrigued by that oh. because I think I want to see how he performs in the NBA and how the Warriors use them because like again they probably took a flyer you know yeah. defending champions that have the 28th pick you know mm-hmm. they have nothing to lose yeah. and then another pick that I mean I think worked out pretty well for the Spurs uh, drafting Malachi Branion from Ohio State. Um, all throughout the mock drafts for like the last three months, he was a top 12, top 10 pick. Um, some draft boards had him on 12, uh, but a lot of like Jay Billis and, and um, Adrian Wojnarowski, they all said, you know, they cannot believe he slid to 20. So you, you, you saw the Spurs draft Jeremy Sochin at nine would have thought he went there because that's where he was projected to go was, you know, in that nine range yeah. and the Spurs get him at, at 20. Uh, you know, what he did with Ohio state was, was um, very, very remarkable. He was a great three point shooter mm-hmm. and a great defensive player. And also average, I want to say almost 20 points a game, uh, you know, 
all season long. So I'm, I'm intrigued by that too. And um, mm-hmm. I also agree with you with Walker Kessler. Walker, Walker Kessler is a big boy, you know, a very tall NBA athlete. Uh, yeah. See how he um, transitions to the NBA with his body. You know, yeah. he's not like a Chet Holmgren. He's, you know, different. So we'll see how he translates to the NBA. Uh, I'm curious if you have a second rounder uh, that a name that kind of sticks out to you. I know there was some news. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, that landed yesterday with the Grizzlies, but I want to know if you have a second rounder that you're kind of watching. Well, you know, I'll date. I'll I'll I'll, I'll date myself for a second, but um, I'm excited to watch JD Davison with the Celtics. Um, just I think. Of course you are. The guy I would be too. Kind of untapped potential. Um, kind of see what curious to see what he can do. Um, but I think you want to know what I'm curious about. I'm curious if you can get his jersey over his hair, but we'll have to stay tuned for that. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think looking at the other kind of second round picks, um, Christian Coloco from uh, Arizona, I thought yes. that he was really solid uh, when he played in college. Um, and I think Toronto just has. Um, That's a great pick for Toronto. They have a great ability to develop guys, and I think it's it's a testament to kind of their player development over the years that they've gotten a lot out of a lot of picks that they've made. You know, even looking at someone like Van Vliet, you know, I think that him coming out of college, we weren't really sure how his game would translate, and it has. I mean, he's... And correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Van Vliet a um, undrafted free agent? Yeah. I don't think they drafted him. Similar, similar thought with like the player development, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think they're an organization that, like, if you're they're picking in the second round or taking someone undrafted, you know, I have confidence that they can turn that guy into um, an NBA player. Yeah, I want to say in two, two, two picks of the second round that I'm intrigued with, mm-hmm. um, one which because it's insane, you don't really see this often. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies signed Kennedy Chandler. It's like a four year. Um, pretty extensive contract, yeah, it's, and yeah. you don't see that for sec- second rounders. Yeah, I, I mean it's kind of cool. He's going to Memphis. He went to Tennessee. He's only a freshman. I got to see him play in November uh, when my my Villanova uh, Wildcats that I'm a fan of played Tennessee in a you know a non-conference game. Uh, you know Villanova beat them by 20, but he was the leading scorer, and you could tell that he was the ball handler of that team, and everything ran through Kennedy Chandler as a freshman, which I thought was impressive. So I'm curious to see how he'll play out with, you know, John Moran and how they fit him into Memphis. Uh, But I want to definitely touch on the Pelicans at 41. Um, They drafted EJ Liddell, who was a mid-first-round mock draft selection. His name was thrown all through uh, the middle of the first round, and he fell to the 41st pick in um, the second round. And I think that's a great pick for the Pelicans. I, I'm curious to see how he uh, develops in, in the NBA. EJ Liddell uh, was a, a almost a lifer, I want to say, at oh, Ohio right. State. He, yeah. he, he, he didn't come out as a freshman. I mean, he played either three or four years for Chris Holtman. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm intrigued to see how he, you know, plays, you know, with your Zion Williamson and, you know, how they fit him into that yeah. system. And with Willie Green's, um, you know, player development skills that he has mm-hmm. I think that's a great great spot for him and, and I'm also excited you know like you said J.D. Davison and you know how he played with Alabama and he had spurts in the mm-hmm. March Madness of you know how good he could be and um, 
I agree with you with Christian Coloco. I, I, I just, I really think that's a, that's, it's an exciting pick for the Raptors. Saw what happened with Scotty Barnes, uh, rookie of the year. Uh, I, I think they know what they're doing there. Coloco doesn't get him to the G League. Trying to think, I had one more thing I wanted to bring up um, on the NBA draft. Um, it was an interesting this year. Um, obviously, to just note that it was only fifty-eight picks. There wasn't sixty, which you haven't seen in quite some time, because two, two of the teams had to, uh, you know, forfeit their picks for you know violations. But um, I, I talked with a, a fellow friend of ours uh, about this, um, you know, vaguely, you know, over Facebook. Uh, on a comment I made because, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I've always had this thought, and I've probably mentioned on SE Sports Talk when we used to do that in, in um, Springfield College, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it, it's frustrating to me sometimes. You know, you, you look at all these undrafted um, players that should have probably been drafted. Mm -hmm. you know, you're calling Gillespie's. Um, I don't see why not uh, Scotty Pippen Jr. getting, you know, drafted the late mm -hmm. second round. You know, I, I'm not really a big fan of your, your, your draft and stash, you know, from overseas. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of use it as an example of, you know, it's a bad example because the supplemental draft didn't even happen this year with the NFL. But something along those lines, I've always pitched an idea of, you know, I get it. A lot of your international players, like your Luka Doncic, look what he's doing in the NBA and, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. International players are taking over the NBA. But, you know, I don't like that idea of the the draft and stash a lot of your second round picks mm -hmm. you know people are getting drafted and they have no means of coming over to the nba for, for years and they're barely legal to drink uh, and, and they're playing for all these other you know organizations in in, in different um countries and mm -hmm. I, I understand it you 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 have the rights to them and and you can use them for trade bait but um you know it, it's got to be frustrating for, for you know an M nba ready player um, to not hear their name called because there's only 60 picks. It's not like an NFL draft where you have seven rounds and and 300 and whatever 52 picks. Um, I've always had that thought. You know, I wish there was something that the NBA could do. You know, like a supplemental draft type yeah. where you're you're having another type of draft or mm -hmm. a selection process where yeah. if you if you're an NBA team and you want to do this whole draft and stash, okay, you can kind of utilize it that way. Then you know, breaking a kid's heart like. For example, just because I'm a Villanova fan, Colin Gillespie, where he had to, you know, not hear his name called, where he was projected to be a, a late second rounder and ended up just having to sign, you know, at, at the the um, undrafted free, uh, free agency era, era to, to be on a summer league team with, you know, Denver. And, you know, you look at Shaquille O'Neal's son. Um, I, I remember even hearing Shaquille O'Neal not wanting his son to you know, declare for the draft because he kind of foresaw this happening. So mm -hmm. I don't know what your take is on that or your opinion, but it's just something that's always kind of bothered me, you know, when yeah. I'm watching the NBA draft. It, it, it hurts your heart to see a little bit, you know, a, a kid not being able to get drafted because of a big dash. Yeah, I mean, it's – I think it, it's definitely a complex issue because I think, um, you know, a lot of the guys that go to the NBA through the draft and maybe don't get drafted, a lot of them are like the – three or four year college players where it's like, you know, they do put their dues in playing in college, but, yeah, exactly. um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think there might be something to the effect of teams 
looking at European prospects just because, you know, typically those guys, their potential is through the roof. You know, oftentimes you're not right on the potential that, you know, guys have the potential, but they don't live up to it. But I think, like, you're kind of seeing that teams tend to take more of a chance on those guys because it's like, oh, here's here's someone who has an off chance of maybe becoming the next Giannis. You know, you don't want to miss out on someone like that. So I think, correct. you know, it definitely is probably and, frustrating. And, you know, for it is. And kids. I, I get it. You know, we're, we're having a lot of international players break through the NBA yeah. right now, which is great. Great for NBA. You know, NBA, you know, is expanding all around the world. It's, you know, one of the most watched sports in all the countries. Right. And, and I, I'm not, I'm not discrediting, you know, the international players, they work just as hard, of course. but you know, it, it, it does get frustrating when you, you know, I, I don't know what pick it was, but the, the second round, the, the, the deputy commissioner who um, is the second hand uh, guy for um, Adam Silver couldn't even pronounce like some of these countries are, you know, some of these teams are playing on it. It's just, it's not something you hear every day, you know, yeah. or even know these players. I, Fran Fischilla is your international, you know, you know, guru, if you will. But yeah. I mean, he's the only one that really know these people unless you, you know, follow the mock drafts and, you know, they have these people like Luka Doncic in the, in the projected, you know, mock drafts and whatnot. Then you kind of hear these names, but mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, you're seeing the late round picks, a draft and stash, mm-hmm. which, you know, it, it sucks to hear, you know, when you're, you're trying to live your dream. Yeah. If you will. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's another part of it where it's like, when teams draft draft and stash guys, you have like no idea like how they're doing. You know, there's no clips or videos that like you can Correct. easily get if you draft someone out of college. Yeah. You know, for example, the Celtics like they've picked Correct. draft and stash guys two of the last three years. You know, it's impossible to find any footage of those guys. But it's like, you know, JD Davis and they drafted. He played at Alabama. You can easily find those highlights. Um, you can so. find those highlights. To where if it's a draft and stash, you're, you have no way of knowing if they're improving or not or if you've wasted a pick. Yeah, you have to kind of take the word of, you know, people that are that are following the scouts. players' games. So, yeah, yeah, you know, it's... So that was just my yeah. soapbox on that. You know, I just... Yeah. I always think of that every every year, you know, yeah. come June when I'm watching the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, this year it's a bad example because the supplemental draft, for whatever reason, got canceled with the NFL. But just using that as an example to, you know, pinpoint... Mm-hmm. Um, things yeah. and, and lastly, before we move on to uh, free agency, are you going to watch any of the summer league to see you know what teams got what picks right and who could be a bust and, and, and a potential stud? I I definitely not... will. Yeah, I'll be I'll, yeah. I'll be I'll be watching Celtic summer league. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because there are, nice. there are a couple guys on that team that I think uh, have the possibility of maybe making the Celtics roster and. Uh, making making a name for themselves so i'll definitely be watching their games i agree so yeah you know if you want to move into free we'll move on to free agency yeah all that um you know i think it makes sense to cover like the big trades obviously um you know free agency there have been moves here and there but it's nothing that's really been crazy um although you know kevin durant announcing that he wanted to be traded, you know, before free agency, obviously that caused a stir and pretty much broke, broke social media. Yeah. Obviously we'll probably talk about that a little bit later, but yeah. Yeah. You know, alluding to the, you know, Walker Kessler trade that he got moved 
you know, three times within the first week of him being an NBA player. Um, you know, the, the I hope big, he didn't buy an apartment. Yeah, the big trade. So he gets moved uh, to Utah from Minnesota because uh, the Timberwolves wanted to trade for uh, Rudy Gobert. So it makes kind of an interesting combo with him and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, right. But the Jazz, I mean, holy cow, they got a laundry list of players and first-round picks. Four first-round picks, a pick swap, and then a couple players, including Walker Kessler, uh, Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, all those guys going to Utah, and Rudy Gobert going to Minnesota. So I'll be honest, it's kind of a weird trade. I'm not really sure how Gobert and Towns uh, are going to work together, but I don't know. Right. I, I'm, I'm curious if you saw that video footage of um... – you know, the free agent uh, special with um, that guy who, um, Brian Wernhorst, I think it was, yeah. who, who, you know, out of nowhere broke news, like, of a random Utah Jazz trade, trading, like, Royce O'Neal to, to the Nets, and yeah. he goes, yeah. mark my words, the Utah Jazz are low-key up to something. Yeah. And lo and behold, you know, hours later, you know, they damn well are. Yeah. So... <laughs> I mean, I, I get the trade. I'm intrigued by it. I have a lot of questions, though. You know, did the front office, you know, not – I don't want to ask – get the get the permission of Donovan Mitchell, but um, run it by him. Like, I obviously know they want to build around him, but, you know, that they were like a nice one-two punch, and now Donovan Mitchell loses that asset. Yes, he gained, you know – Patrick Beverly, which will be a nice compliment to him. He's a great defender. Yeah. He's annoying. He gets in people's faces. It's, it'll be an, enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it seems like Utah is building for the future. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, with those with those draft picks, I, I, I couldn't believe the amount of draft picks. Uh, and comp, just compensation alone that they got for them. Um, you know, a lot of things are changing with the Jazz. They have a head, new head coach, uh, former, um, I think, Spurs, like, assistant coach and and he had ties with boston celtics yeah, i believe with the celtics uh, last year will hardy uh will hardy mm-hmm. uh younger coach so we'll see yeah. how he transitions in, in the nba as a as a head coach and i think he's got quite the scenario um that he's walking into you know you know donovan mitchell i wouldn't say is the most patient person right now i think he wants to win he he wants assets and he wants to experience yeah. a, a winning season and, and, and playoffs again with the, with the Utah Jazz. So I'm curious to how this plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, not going to discredit Walker Kessler, but um, I don't want to say at all that Walker Kessler is an upgrade from Rudy Gobert. It, it'll fill the void a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's, it's still going to not fill the gap of getting rid of a Rudy Gobert, who yeah. was a fan favorite. Um, on the Minnesota side, I'm I'm curious to see how Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns play with each other. Yeah, um, they play alongside uh, each other. They're both kind of similar um, players, if you will. You know, both similar in size, but they have different um, demeanors as, as as big men. You know, one can shoot threes and you know really you know act like a, almost a forward, and then one's like you know your typical big mm-hmm. you know double double rebounds and blocking and and what have you. So um, they, they look they look scary as, as a front court. Yeah. Um, now, you know, let's see who um, the rest of them 
play uh, with their backcourt and you know that that system that they have in in in, in putting a Rudy Gobert in, into your system, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, like you said um, about Mitchell, you know, I think that a trade like this, you know, probably is going to kind of test his patience a little bit, and I think. You know, the Jazz are probably hoping that, okay, you know, here we've made some moves for the future, you know, we'll hope to keep you around, but, you know, here are all these picks we can hopefully help to improve the team, you know. I don't know if Utah is necessarily going to be that much worse without Gobert. I mean, obviously, he's a great defender. He's won Defensive Player of the Year, but I think... He's replaceable. Yeah, you know, I think that his... I I don't want to say, like, his skill set is limited, but it's like... He really only plays in the post. You know, obviously, he's a great defender. He's probably the best defender at the rim in the NBA. But uh, for some reason, I mean, I think that Utah honestly might be okay without him. And they might actually be a little bit better of a team. You know, obviously, we'll see what happens in the playoffs if they get there. Right. I I just, I I hope it works out well for Utah, you know, with their plan for the the near future. Mm -hmm. Uh, I hope they, you know hired the correct coach that, you know, can kind of get them like, you know, I mean, Odupo just did with Celtics. I mean, look at what he did the first year. I think they're kind of hoping the same with the Jazz, you know, taking a team, you know, first year at the helm and, you know, running them to the playoffs. I think they would really love a scenario like that. Um, But I, I can't say I'd be surprised if a year or two from now we're seeing a Donovan Mitchell pull a Kevin Durant and, you know, ask for a trade if things don't shape up with Utah. Um, I think, you know, their heart kind of got broke, especially Donovan Mitchell, because I know he's been, you know, a huge um, cheerleader with this. I think he was kind of looking at hopefully in like free agency to to land like a Bradley Beal or another big name with Utah to kind of help him out, if you will. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, someone like Bradley Beal, you know, goes back to the Wizards and, is no longer an option, and um, you know I would be wouldn't be surprised if Donovan Mitchell's patience are, are thinning, just like what you see in the Blazers with you know Damian Lillard, you know with patience being uh, not a virtue, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that'll be something interesting to um, pay attention to, you know. And I think Utah's a team that you know still has Bogdanovich. They still have. You know, Mike Conley, you know, they're still going to be a pretty solid team. Um, it's just going to be curious to see, like, what their defense, what their interior defense looks like without Gobert. Um, that's exactly. Just, it's interesting. Who's going to be that shot blocker for, right. for them? You know, is it going to be Walker Kessler, or do they got to yeah. go out and make a few more moves to, to land a big man? You know, y- you never know. But I think it, it's exciting for them to still have a Mike Conley who is that veteran presence that, yeah. you know, can kind of keep Donovan Mitchell's head up. Because Donovan Mitchell is still young in the NBA. I mean, he, yeah. he's only been in a few years. He's still mm-hmm. a young buck. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just uh, fascinated that Danny Ainge goes from Boston to Utah, and he's uh, still doing the same thing that he's always done, just getting all these picks. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what is his position now with, with Utah, though? Like, just a front office guy? Or? Yeah, I mean, I think he's like the basketball operations person. I mean, I don't know what the – you know, specific title is, but pretty much he's running the front office. Well, there. so that's why he probably had that connection with Will Hardy, if I wanted to put two and two together. Yeah, it could be, you know. 
I think he's definitely, you know, still uh, staying in the loop in terms of the Celtics stuff, you know, still paying attention to how the team is doing and all that. So right. um, must have caught his eye. Um, another big trade, uh, DeJounte Murray going from uh, the Spurs to the Hawks. Spurs getting back a number of picks. Um, you know, I think this is an interesting trade for Atlanta. Kind of curious to see how he and Trey Young uh, play together because they're both, you know, guys who who are point guards or played that position last year. So, you know, obviously yep. that's going to be an adjustment for the both of them. You know, I think you should bring up a great point. You know, they're both two really good point guards that are ball handlers and, you know, offense runs through them, if you will. So I, I think if you're Atlanta – you know, obviously Trey Young still is your point guard, and then you know you you play Dejounte Murray, you know, as your shooting guard. There's no way he's coming off the bench when you land, you know, make a trade like this. You're you're making a trade because you want them to be, the, you know, your one-two punch uh, in your in your in your backcourt. Um, you, you know, it, it's an intriguing trade. You know, Atlanta's up to something. You know, they they landed their guy. They're excited. Um, I I don't get how this makes sense though for San Antonio. Um, Greg Popovich, you know, towards the end of his career with, with coaching the Spurs and, and retiring from the NBA. And, you know, I think they're in the midst of a, a rebuild in, in San Antonio. But um, I can't help but to scratch my head with this trade because you go from San Antonio having a DeJounte Murray where they were, you know, could build around. Mm-hmm. And, and now San Antonio really doesn't have key names to build around. I mean, yeah, they've had some nice draft picks this year with Blake Wesley, Malachi Branyan. I'm not really sold on Jeremy Sochin. I hope he proves me wrong. Uh, that I thought that was a kind of a reach at, at, at nine, but it makes sense why they drafted him. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, we'll see how that works out. You know, obviously this trade is, is for the future, you know, with, with draft picks and compensation and what have you. But um I think one of the players in the trade was Danilo Gallinari. They ended up waiving him, and it signed with Boston. But um, they didn't really get anything back. You know, they just really let Dejounte Murray to go to, to Atlanta because Atlanta's in the now, and, and the Spurs are kind of in the future. Uh, that's what they're what they're working on. Mm-hmm. What's concerning to me, though, we want to stay on the topic of the Spurs real quick. I mean, we're July seventh, so six and a half days in free agency and, and not a single solitary person has signed with the Spurs. Um, they claimed one person from OKC that was an all right player off of waivers. So I'm not really sure what they're up to. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting to me. Um, that's kind of a lot of question marks. But uh, for Atlanta, I think, you know, they're a team that, that smells the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And um, it kind of probably broke their heart how their season ended last year. So they, they felt like they were a, probably a, a piece or two away from, you know, making a big splash. And, and look, looks will tell, you know, this coming year how, how that DeJounte Murray um, pick will, will land out. I mean, they still have John Collins. They have, you know, they still have decent assets uh, and, and to put together a good basketball team. And, you know, like I said, Trey Young is, is just blossoming. He's, yeah. he's not – not even fully developed in the NBA yet. I, I don't think so. Neither is Luka Doncic. They still have a lot of tricks up their sleeve mm-hmm. um, and NBA potential uh, for years to come. So yeah. that's kind of my take on it. I don't know how mm-hmm. you feel with the whole Spurs thing, but yeah. you know, I think one 
side is for the now and one side is for the the future and and and, and rebuilding you know every every team you know has their qualms if they're in the now or in the future and you know what you can kind of tell especially with how people draft and how they mm-hmm. take on free agency and, and trades of yeah. you know what's their their um motive mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think it's exactly as you said you know one team is um you know in a, in a window where they feel like they can be competitive if they get another piece and then you have another team that's you know willing to sell off their assets to get you know more picks right. in the future i mean i think just when you look at the western conference and kind of how stacked it is you know i think the spurs kind of look at it and say okay does it really make sense to try to be a competitive team try to get into the play in or does it make more sense for us just to, you know, pile in more picks and see what we can do with that? Um, exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, it's and interesting. You, you're in the midst, too, of not knowing the future of your head coach of 20 plus years. Right. So, you know, at, at some point that, you know, is going to, you know, rear its ugly head, you know, where you're going to have to, mm-hmm. um, you know, rebuild from, from that level, too, because, you know, as a basketball coach like I am, you know, Greg Popovich is someone I look up to in, 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 in the office and defense he runs. Mm-hmm. You've seen what he's done in Team USA. I mean, yeah. you know, that's going to be a hard adjustment, you know, just explaining, you know, from, from a front office perspective, you know, a lot of these things are building for the future, but <laughs> that's something that's going to rear its ugly head soon and yeah. it's going to take a damper in some plans probably. Mm-hmm. Before we get on to the next topic, I actually had a question for you because I was curious. Yeah. Um, what's your opinion? Are you shocked or are you not surprised uh, with Zion Williamson re-signing with, with the Pelicans? What's your take on that? So that's that's a great question because I think I kind of weren't sure where they were going as a team this year. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they surprised a lot of people with what they did in the playoffs. I mean, winning a couple games against Phoenix, you know, I think it, right. it's clear that, like, Willie Green did a fantastic job this year. They're really building something, and I think, you know... They're building something for sure. Yeah, and I think Zion probably noticed that and said, okay, you know, here's a team that kind of feels like for the first time in his career they kind of have a a, a direction. Um, And I think, you know, as he said, you know, he wants to win. He wants to be a part of that, so... um, And I think the deciding factor, you know, of this rebuild that they're having and. And, and what Willie Green is, is putting together, mm-hmm. you know, is if Zion Williamson is buying in or not. Because, yeah. you know, y- y- you saw the things on social media, you know, him not playing all last season. But, right. you know, he's at a local YMCA or a, or a camp for kids or, you know, the practice facility doing these insane dunks that you saw in college. Yeah. You know, it, it, you saw some immaturity. Like, you know, is he is he in? Does he mm-hmm. really want to be a Pelican or yeah. does he not? You know, where, where is his heart? So. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was surprised to to see him, honest to God, sign with the Pelicans. But I, I think there had to be a lot of, you know, behind the scenes, closed door meetings between the, the management, him and, you know, Willie Green. Like, you know, you are our future. Are you in or are you out? You know, we want to build something here. Mm-hmm. The bus is leaving. Are you coming too? type of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, it is what it is. I mean, if you remember when he got drafted by the Pelicans, I don't, I don't even think he shed it a tear. You know, he just didn't look thrilled. And then, you know, you saw how good he was in summer league, and then he became a household name in the NBA, and then he gets hurt. So, mm-hmm. you know, 
I want to see where he's at from the regular season. Is he kind of behind the eight ball because he really hasn't played in a year? Mm -hmm. Or is he right back to his explosive, you know, impressive self that he was with Duke and that, the, you know, glimpse that we saw in the NBA so far? So I was mm -hmm. shocked, but if you asked me what team I thought he would have went to if um, he didn't ex ex sign with the, the Pelicans, I couldn't tell you. I, I don't know. Um, obviously, it'd be like a Kevin Durant scenario. You'll have a lot of people calling and, and saying, oh, we're interested, but I don't know what would be a perfect fit mm -hmm. for him. I, you know, I was just curious, though, what you thought uh, on that, that re-signing, if you were shocked, if you will. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that, you know, him signing the, the rookie scale extension or whatever that is, it kind of tells me that it was, you know, his thing, you know, that he kind of right. chose to be like, okay, this is where I want to be. Um, and I think he probably took notice of how well Willie Green did with the team this year and how far they went and how far they went with a lot of young guys kind of stepping into the roles that were probably unexpected. You know, you saw guys Correct. like Herb Jones and uh, Jose Alvarado playing really well in that playoff series. Um, and I think it tells Zion that, okay, here are some young guys that really want to play and really want to kind of be a part of something. Um, and him choosing to stay, you know, I think says a lot about right. him and says a lot about the, the culture of that team. And what's nice about the NBA is you always have that, you know, that story, you know, book being written, if you will, yeah. um, you know, with the G League. And you have like that one play, one or two players that come out of the G League that you never heard of in your life. Mm -hmm. But they like, they get on a team and they make an impact. And that, that was an example, you know, the Pelicans, you know, we're, we're blessed with, with Jose Alverdo. Uh, um, I can't say his last name. I apologize. Yeah. But, um, you know, you saw how exciting he was to watch. The team loved him. The, the fans loved him. And, you know, he was really fitting into that um, system that, you know, Willie Green was, you know, building in, in mm -hmm. New Orleans. And he wasn't even drafted. I mean, look at what happened. You know, that was a scenario that came right out of the G League or, or the yeah. – the development league, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know you're biting at the bit to probably talk about, you know, Malcolm Brogdon <laughs> with the Celtics. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll let you take that away. Yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of touched on it um, earlier in the week, but I think, um, you know, again, I think it's a, it's a great trade. It, you know, tells me that the Celtics are, you know, being aggressive without being too aggressive. And I think, you know, doing something like, trying to trade for, for Kevin Durant would be too aggressive. And I think making a trade for Brogdon, you know, fills, fills a need. And I think it's worth the risk with his injury history that the Celtics didn't really give up much. I mean, really, honestly, you gave up a first round pick and, you know, Aaron Neesmith. And I think, you know, the jury's still out on him and, you know, first right. round pick, you know, it kind, kind of sucks, but it's like, the Celtics team or the Celtics team is in a position to compete. And I think, you know, first round picks really in, in, in the grand scheme of things probably aren't going to help you out as much as, you know, someone like Brogdon, who I think um, if he can stay healthy, I think he's a perfect fit for this team. Um, and I also think that he's a guy who is, is a great person and I think will fit in, incredibly well with the culture that, um, you know, the, the coaching staff and the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, all those guys are, are helping to build. And I think um, it helps that 
both he and Jalen are from the Atlanta area and they're friendly with each other and you know hopefully it, it, it goes it goes really well hopefully he can stay healthy that's kind of the that's kind of the biggest thing with that I I watched the Celtics a lot this year and you know of course in the, in the finals and everything and mm-hmm. um something that was just obvious to me was um Boston was one piece away from getting over that hump and being able to, you know, hold up a championship um, trophy, if you will. And, you know, they they were very aggressive, which, you know, is is not unlike them, but you haven't seen in a little bit. And, you know, adding a Mal- Malcolm Brogdon to a Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart is just a recipe for success. And, you know, you just touched on it. You know, they gave up, yes, you know, an Aaron Nismith who they, they drafted and, you know, you thought good things about, but they didn't mm-hmm. give up a lot for mm-hmm. someone who was going to really help them in the long run, especially come playoff time. And I, I think it'll lessen the load a little bit for Jason Tatum. I think him and Marcus Smart can, like, breathe a little bit yeah. and, 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 and breathe a sigh of relief and, and have some, some minutes where they can, you know, rest on the bench. Uh, because, you know, without a Malcolm Brogdon, you know, um, on that team, you know, Marcus Smart, G, you know, Jason Tatum, and even, you know, Jalen Brown were asked to do point guard type roles um, mm-hmm. a lot. And um, I think they'll be more well-rested and it'll just be a, a nice mesh to have Malcolm Brogdon because mm-hmm. you, you can trust him. You can, you know, have Jason Tatum on the bench and, and Brogdon in and you know that the ball is still going to be handled well, and you know the offense is going to just flow still. And and I think it was a great, great pickup on their part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. I said to someone the other day, like after they made the trade, like I'm, I'm ready for for opening night already uh, to see you know some of the new guys with uh, the Celtics, you know Brogdon and then uh, Gallinari obviously as well. Um, so kind of which he, that's a nice yeah. name for for you know off the bench you know yeah. you need someone to come off the bench mm-hmm. i think you know if they want to go old school they can use him in like a ray allen role mm-hmm. you know because he's a shooter um mm-hmm. he can come off the bench and give you decent minutes mm-hmm. i wouldn't say he's the best defender but you know that that's a good you know stash your bench type player yeah. a veteran in the nba that mm-hmm. can still shoot and rebound and, and do what they need to do, yeah. you know, and get good, good minutes that are yeah. productive. Yeah, and I think the Celtics are a good enough defensive team. They're structured that, you know, if Gallinari's not the best defender, it probably doesn't matter all that much because, you know, he'll probably be on the floor with a couple really strong defenders. So, you know, he can... Well, and not for nothing, they didn't give up anything for him. They signed right. him off a waiver. Right, right. So, once again, you I use the quote, the quote again or the saying you're taking a flyer. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work, okay, you release him or try try a trade partner and, you know, the trade deadline. But y- y- there's no love lost there. You're not losing anything. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of getting into our kind of last uh, topic or whatever is uh, – Last but not least, um, Kyrie Irving Kyrie and then Irving, Kevin, Kevin Durant. Durant yeah. Let, let's split those up, though. Let's talk about the one and then the other if we can. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, which uh, which player would you like to talk about? Um, well, they're both an absolute headache. But what one do you want to 
start with uh, first before you got to pop to Madville? Well, <laughs> well, I think, you know, as, as kind of wild as this might sound, I think that the Kyrie situation, I feel like the like that might resolve itself sooner um, yes. just because he, you know, is only under contract for one more season. You know, he did opt into the last year of his deal. So it's like, you know, the, the Nets can afford to, you know, trade him, bring someone on for, for a year, I guess. Um, but like, honestly, if, if Kyrie just wants to go to the Lakers and the Lakers want to have him, it's like, it's probably just a matter of time before, he gets traded there, you know, and the Nets trade him for Westbrook right. or do something like that. I mean, I can't really see any other team wanting to bring him in because it's like, as you said, there's kind of a headache there. And it's like there's a headache. And, you know, you just mentioned it because I was going to you know, bring it up. I, I don't see how that trade, you know, a, a Westbrook for a, uh, a Kyrie Irving straight up makes any sense. You're, exactly. You're, you're, tra- you're trading one headache and receiving back another. Um, yeah. I mean, I, if I yeah. if I had to choose between the two, I guess I would go Russell Westbrook because he's less of a headache, if mm-hmm. that's even possible. But I mean, what what Kyrie Irving put the Nets through, um, the last year and a half or so, and 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 what he put that franchise through, yeah. I wouldn't. I if I was a Nets, I wouldn't do any any favors for yeah. Kyrie Irving. I I wouldn't trade him to the you know glamorous spot where. Kyrie Irving wants to go mm-hmm. you know I would if I'm the Nets trade him to the best scenario where I can get assets for right. my basketball team for the future and you know that can help loosen the load of everything that's going on the last year and a half yeah. that they've had to deal with with all the drama and you know KD and, and Kyrie and just everything going on and then Ben Simmons and if you will I don't know. I you know they still they still have a headache with having Ben Simmons, but I don't see you know Kyrie Irving helping out the Lakers. You know by him going to the Lakers, it doesn't automatically make them a championship contender. Uh-huh. Like you you see these people on face. Oh my God! You know if they land if they land Kyrie Irving, you know the Lakers they're gonna you know be the biggest threat to the Warriors. I mean they'll be a threat, but they're they're not gonna scare the Warriors. If, and make it a, a or, or a, a live or die you know, situation. You know, the Lakers still have a lot of internal issues that they need to deal with. Mm-hmm. Bringing in a Kyrie Irving, I don't see how that helps. I really don't. I mean, they, they, you saw how bad of a basket case the Lakers were towards the middle of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, how, my, and my thinking too is, how many more assets does does LeBron James need to help win another championship? I mean, like he keeps asking for all these players, all the, all these people that are veterans in the league and, and these names that, you know, were, were once really amazing in the NBA, they get released or, or, or somehow find their way on, on the Lakers. How much money, more many pieces do you need in the Lakers? So I don't see the Lakers as a, as a asset for this trade to help the Nets. It might help the Lakers and, mm-hmm. you know, Kyrie Irving goes to the Lakers and, you know, it'll look good for Hollywood, but I, I just don't see how, if I'm the Lakers, mm-hmm. you know, how that makes sense. I mean, if you're the Lakers, okay, you get rid of West, Russell Westbrook. But if I'm the Nets, I'd want something more than just Russell Westbrook, maybe yeah. a draft pick or mm-hmm. compensation or maybe even another young player. I mean, they have a ton of young players, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, honestly, it's, it's a I don't weird need, I situation. 
I mean, and then the, and the flip side, okay, he wants to go to L.A. Does he fit the Clippers? Uh, I don't know. No. I don't think I don't, so. I, I, mean. I don't think so. I, I really don't. I Do you I, take a chance on him? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I yeah, really don't. I think, um... You know, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think, um... Personally, with the Clippers, I mean, I think they just are kind of waiting for Kawhi and Paul George to be healthy again and exactly. see, see what they can do with the group that they have. Um, so it's like I don't see them trading much to the Nets. It's like, I mean, it just it almost seems like the Nets are just going to trade Kyrie wherever he, like, wants to go. But it's like, it's just right. like... Yeah, I mean, it's... it's, it's Kyrie hard. doesn't deserve... In my opinion, Kyrie doesn't deserve that respect. No, I, I mean, I don't think... If, so if I'm Sean Marks, I, I'm, you know, sending him to wherever, you know, that yeah. we can get the best bang for our buck. Yeah. And I think, um, you know... But every other NBA I mean, team, too, and you're going to probably just mention this because I know you and I think the same way, you're taking a flyer on Kyrie. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you're going to take... You're going to absolve this huge contract that, you know, you're going to be responsible for more than likely. And, you know, it's just one of those things, okay, you go, he plays for a year. Who says he might not want to go to a different team and we're, we're, we're having a different conversation in a year or two? Mm-hmm. You know, is Kyrie going to be loyal? Is he going to be a headache just like he was with the Nets? There's so many questions. Yeah. And I'm not discrediting that he's a great basketball player. He you know, he, he is. But at, at some point, it's like, do you want to take on the nightmare he is or his basketball skill set? Because you know you're going to get both. You're not going to get one or the other. Yeah, and I honestly think, like, a team will take him on because he's only under contract for one more year, and they can be like, okay, right. we'll see what he can do, and then we'll think about signing him long term. But it's like, right. hey, the Nets did that, and look what happened. Like, they can't – I mean, they couldn't trust him to play any games last year. And it's like no and wonder. Because he refused to get vaccinated, and yeah. it was simple things. You know, they weren't asking for much. Yeah, and it's not. It's just like Sean Marks in that front office, like, had to be annoyed at a certain point, where it's like, okay, we signed you to this contract, we want you to be playing games, and he played in, you know, thirty games, and it's like that's not what they signed up for. So, yeah, it's just. Uh, I think that situation is more complicated because you kind of don't know about Kyrie and, you know, where he is mentally. And, you know, I think Durant, it's more complex about where he will get traded. But I think there's not really a headache in terms of him as a person. Um, No, I mean, I I think ever since he he left the Warriors, he hasn't been the same. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't say Brooklyn wasn't the right fit for him, but, you know, you could see there was a a difference between the, the Durant yeah, and in a Warriors uniform and a Durant in the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. You know, I, you you watch first take, you watch you know these free agency you know shows, mm-hmm. and, and everyone keeps saying, oh, you know, it, it, it's it's the Toronto Raptors' um, decision to lose. You know, meaning that you know it, it's it's they can have him if they want, but you know Kevin Durant's that big guy name where he wants to go to a you know a city that's fun and popular and I don't see for just a you know a, a personal life perspective I don't see how Kevin Durant you know will fit in Toronto he's going to a different country you know it's not like a city of like 
New York or a Brooklyn or L.A. where it's like Hollywood. I don't see how Kevin Durant's lifestyle would even fit in Toronto. He'd be a great compliment to Toronto. I Don't get me wrong. He'd be a great compliment. But, you know, knowing like a Kevin Durant, you know, he probably is going to take these things into effect. You know, the, the, the city life and, and things like that. I don't think that's a good fit. I also don't think the Heat are a good fit because y- you watched, you know, James Harden and um, Kyrie and, and, and um, Kevin Durant when they're on Brooklyn. That's three superstars fighting for the basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler is, is one of those players that wants to shoot the ball a lot. So they go to the Heat. You know, he's going to really have to share a lot of minutes and a lot of shots with Jimmy Butler still. You know, he's going to be the number one guy, but mm-hmm. I don't know if that that's going to be a good, you know, scenario for him. Yeah. I think it'd be nice. I think the best scenario for Kevin Durant right now is the Phoenix Suns. I think the team that Phoenix Suns have, you know, him and then Devin Booker and Chris Paul, that, that team would be scary. Mm-hmm. That would be a scary – I don't think Devin Booker would be – the leaders that you know the excuse my you know excuse me i'm tripping on my words um i don't think he'd be in the slightest upset if he has to take a few more shots like less shots and you know if he sees you know the the big picture of you know championship mm. i don't think devin booker would mind and you know chris paul is at the at the point in his career where he's just he's just riding it out he, he's riding it out and he wants to be that, you know, that veteran asset. Mm-hmm. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, they still have DeAndre Ayton. I don't know if they have to move him yeah. uh, in order to to get a Kevin Durant. But I, I, I think the Phoenix Suns would be a great uh, fit for for a Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. I, I think it'd be um, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I don't mean to, like, rain on your parade or anything, but, like, I think there are significant roadblocks for – Durant to be traded to Phoenix or to Miami because, you know, with Durant's salary, with how much money he's making, you know, you have to send over about the same amount of salary. And I think, like, you know, they can't they can't trade Adebayo for him from the Heat. They can't trade Aiden for him from the Suns. So it's like, I'm not sure how that, you know, money is going to line up exactly. You know, I think um, the Raptors, like, could make it work if, they sent over like Siakam and someone else. Um, but I think that's where it kind of gets complex where I think the Nets already have Ben Simmons who's on um, a rookie scale extension. You can't have two of those guys and Adelio and Aiden are both on those contracts. So it's like there, you know, it kind of is difficult there. You know, Toronto obviously is not, the glitz and glamour of Miami or like another place like that. But that's, think, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. It's not that big, yeah. you know, Oh my God, what a, what a, what a great city. You know, it is a great city, but it's not like you're, it's not a well populated city. Yeah. I mean, that like Kevin Durant's used to being in, in California or uh, Brooklyn, if you will. Yeah. I mean, I'll just be honest. I don't know if that really matters to him. Cause I think he's at the point in his career. He wants to win. I get it. To win. Um, right. But I mean, that being said, if he goes to Toronto and they deal, you know, Siakam and someone else, I mean, you have, you have him and Van Vliet and Scotty Barnes, and it's like, okay, that's a decent group of guys, but it's like, now I, we're don't, building like I don't know yep. if that 
it, it's a good trio, but like I don't know if that's good enough to match up against, you know, the get Bucks them over the hump. or the Celtics. Um, and I'm having a brain fart, but just remind me where Kevin uh, Kyle Lowry is. He's on the Heat now, right? Yeah, he is on the Heat. You know, no, that's he's on the Heat. Right? That, he, I... That's something the Heat could do. You know, they could trade Lowry, but it's like if you're the Nets, I don't think you'd want to take that because. You know, he's over right. 30, he's making a lot of money, you know, no disrespect to him, but he's been injury-prone throughout his career, and I think, you know, the Nets are, with Duran especially, oh, I think... I, I, I don't blame you. With Duran especially, I think they're going to take their time, because they want to get the absolute best, uh, best deal that they can get, and honestly, they might try to bring in a third team to see if they can you know, move some salary around to try to get Durant to a place of his uh, desire, whether it's Phoenix or Miami or somewhere else. Do you think there's a sleeper team that could pick up Kevin Durant? Because I've heard, I've heard when I've been watching first tape and um, some free agency shows, uh, a, a team that's been thrown out there. Yeah. I'm curious what you think of, of a sleeper team. Well, it's funny because I kind of thought Toronto was a sleeper team when I – you know, was putting together notes for this, but obviously now Toronto has picked up some steam, so it's they're not they really sleeper anymore. Um, but like honestly, I don't really know. Like, there's not been a team that I'm looking at. Like, oh, okay, you know, they could make a move. I mean, maybe a team like Memphis, but like I don't know what they would have to trade. Right, and they're obviously not going to part with John Moran. Right. But uh, yeah. you know, some of the things I've been looking up. They're like, oh, don't be surprised if, you know, the New York Knicks try to make a run for Kevin Durant. But, mm. you know, you just mentioned it with Toronto, you know, Van Fleet and, you know, Scotty Barnes and, and, and Kevin Durant. Mm. I don't know if that's enough star power. Yeah. You know, R.J. Barrett and, and, and Kevin Durant. I mean, who else are you going to pair with, with with the Knicks team right now? Jalen Brunson, uh, you know, yeah. he may or may not have got overpaid. You know, he's, he, he's very good. Yeah. But and I, he's a Villanova, you know, alum, and, and I, yeah. I'm very um, respectable of, of Villanova alums here. But you know, something is weird with that because you know, with, when you talk about the Knicks, they paid 104 million for a player that wasn't even going to get 31 million from his team that drafted him, the Jalen or um, the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the Knicks see something in in, in him that maybe Dallas doesn't. I don't know, mm-hmm. but um, I don't see the Knicks being a, a sleeper for. Kevin Durant, you know, maybe a few years ago, um, before he went to the um, the Nets, you know, mm-hmm. he was a you know candidate for the Knicks. But you know, I, I really think that the three main teams are the Heat, the Suns, and, and Toronto. And if I had to number them one, two, and three, I, I'd say uh, the Suns being number one, mm-hmm. Heat being or um, excuse me, Toronto being number two, and Heat being number three. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting that you mention uh, Brunson because I think it's. To some people, it might be obvious that the Knicks uh, may have tampered a little bit, and uh, it's ironic because we were talking about the draft earlier, and there are 58 picks and not 60 this year, because there are two teams last year that uh, got docked a second-round pick for, for doing exactly that, so don't be the surprised. The Heat and the Bucks, I believe it was. Yeah, don't be surprised if the, uh, if the Knicks lose a pick next year uh, for, for right. this. Yeah, and, and you're, you so, you knew that was coming as soon as the NBA changed it from like midnight to six thirty. Absolutely, you knew yeah. you knew there was going to be tampering involved, and you knew yes. you know people were going to cut to the you know cut to the chase. Yeah, you know even before you know it started, and 
you heard things being leaked, you know, about him and, and, and uh, going to the Knicks. And, you know, you, you see these photos of Jalen Brunson and, and Knicks uniforms you know, when he's a little kid. So you, you knew damn well he, he was going to go there. And it, it just made sense. You, you knew it was uh, the Dallas smelled, smelled the writing on the wall. And um, but I, I just with Kevin Durant and, and, and Kyrie, I, I think, you know, the Nets are, are, are ready to say good riddance. You know, maybe the Nets can turn around Ben Simmons. I don't know if Ben Simmons this year can have a clean slate. Um, you know, I don't even want to say clean bill of health, but, you know, clean slate of mental health. Because, yeah. you know, the way he acted last year, you know, really was more mental than physical, I think. And, you know, hopefully the maturity is there. You know, he's on a Nets team that, you know, was looking for something out of him. And, you know, they got, you know, they got rid of James Harden. Um you know, it, it, it's it's his time in in, in the uh, yeah. the Nets uniform and to, to be a Nets yeah. you know number one guy if he, if he wants it. It's yeah. his opportunity to, to lose, honestly. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm I'm curious about the development in his game. You know, if he plays this year, right, and gets into a lot of games and is motivated. I'm curious about the relationship with him and Steve Nash because. You know, those are two guys, point guards. You know, Ben Simmons, a point guard now. Steve Nash, obviously one of the greatest point guards ever um, as his head coach. I'm kind of curious about that relationship. You know, is it going to be similar to uh, Luca and Jason Kidd? Um, you know, I think I'm curious to see how he can do. You know, obviously there's still a lot of change that probably is going to take place in Brooklyn, but kind of curious to see what, what, what happens for him next year. Right. And I think, you know, we're seeing it more and more. And, you know, we talked about Willie Green, you know, earlier in the podcast and, you know, yeah. a perfect example, Steve Nash. You're seeing these players that used to play in the NBA transition to coaches. And yeah. I, I think it's really Aimee Odoka, I believe, was a player at one yeah, point. Yes. And, you know, I, I think it's nice and it's a breath of fresh air for the NBA to be hiring coaches into, you know, the league that, you know, was once players in the NBA and yeah. they kind of know what it takes to build a team and, mm -hmm. and the do's and the don'ts. And, yeah. you know, when you have these players like a Ben Simmons, if, you know, I don't think Ben Simmons, for example, would, would fit in a Greg Popovich style, you know, basketball program, but a Willie Green or a Steve Nash program, probably because they have more similarities than they do, mm -hmm. you know, differences. And, you know, you just mentioned it perfectly, you know, Ben Simmons is a point guard. Steve Nash was a great point guard in the NBA. So, you know, Doc Rivers, I believe, was at one point a, a player in the NBA, but an old-style player that didn't that didn't work out. And, you know, it'll probably work out better for James Harden and, um, you know, Doc Rivers. But I think Ben Simmons, if anything, is in the best scenario for his career right now. It's it's his job to make the best of it. And, and it's kind of like his last opportunity, I believe. If, if he, you know, screws this up again, I don't know if anyone else is going to want to take on his head case. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it'll be interesting uh, to see what goes on um, in Brooklyn uh, in the next few weeks, and then you know into the regular season to see what that uh, what that team looks like. Um, uh, lastly, I just want to end on this, if you're okay with it, because I mentioned yeah. it briefly when we were talking about Zion Williamson. Absolutely. You know, what's your opinion on uh, you know what's going on in Portland and and, and Damian Lillard? Hmm. Do, do you think? You know, Damian Lillard is, is, is getting impatient and, and wants out. Or um, He hasn't really signed his extension yet. 
Um, they they only seem to want to offer him a, you know a two year about hundred million dollar contract, um, and he's undecided. You know, he basically said, you know, this is con- my my decision's contingent on you know what the future is for the Portland Trailblazers. So, do you think he's someone that can, you know, maybe um, do what Kevin Durant did and request a trade, or do you think he'll be like a Bradley Beal and you know, yeah, maybe make some rumblings, but then stay loyal to the team that drafted him? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. You know, I think they made the trade for uh, Jeremy Grant a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and then I, they signed I mean, Gary Payton. Yeah. I like, I, I like Grant as a player. You know, I think he could fit in well. You know, I've always liked uh, Nurkic, and they just re-signed him. Um, so I think um, – and then they also have um, Anthony Simmons, uh, who I believe was a rookie last year. Um, and they signed him to, like, an extension. So um, they certainly have some pieces, but, you know, I don't know. It really could go I, either I'm way. not sure if I approve of their uh, first-round pick. I think when they drafted, I wasn't um, sure that might have been the right pick. Um, but then again, you, you know, unless you're a, a freak like Zion Williamson or, you know, you know, you know you're going to be a superstar, to me in the NBA, it's nerve-wracking if you're going to, you know, take – a freshman that you've only seen a little bit of um, or, or not much at all because um, they they drafted Shaden Sharp and he didn't play a lick of basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was Portland's draft pick, so I wonder how Damian Lillard feels about that. Um, you know, maybe he knows something we don't, but I, I'm curious to see what happens with Damian Lillard because I don't know if what he thinks the, the future has in store for Portland because uh, there will be a lot of teams licking their wounds to get him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that'll be uh, something to definitely monitor as, uh, you know, the off season rolls on. I mean, we're just like a week or so into free agency. So uh, certainly there's a, exactly, lot of time that, exactly. a lot of time that things can change. And this is an exciting time of year, like I mentioned yeah. earlier. You know, you, you, go from, yeah. you go from, you know, the, the draft combine to – the NBA draft and then mm-hmm. summer league and free agency. It's, it's fun. It kind of, it kind of fills the void of not having, um, you know, playoff basketball or regular season NBA, you yeah. know, until that October time frame. Absolutely. So, um, I think that's a great, I think, we, I think we covered, I think we covered on. a lot and I think, yeah, I think we covered a lot. And, um, I, I was joking with you earlier, you know, I was kind of holding, holding my breath to see if, you know, Kevin Durant or, Kyrie were to make a decision before our podcast tonight, but yeah. but that didn't happen. I've been, I've been checking my phone and no ESPN alerts. So um, as of right now, you know we can't put any breaking news into the no, into the podcast. But uh, you know maybe maybe next time there'll be um, you know a decision from both yeah. both uh, superstars of where they land and yeah. um, how that'll play out. And, and as always, it's exciting to be a sports fan. I tell you. All right. All right, everyone, thanks for uh, tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. And uh, all right, uh, great talking to you, Matt. Looking forward to getting in touch with you. Thank uh, you very much. Around opening night. Yes, and happy summer, everyone, and, and stay well and stay healthy. All right.